0: And uh, we're going to continue our morning series on the book of Romans. Um, And we're going to, basically, to remind you, Romans is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome before he'd even gone there. And in the book of Romans, more than any other place in the New Testament, any other place in the Bible, we have a really clear um, explanation of the gospel over and over and over again. And, And if you've experienced the gospel, which is the message of God's Love and life through Jesus Christ, if you've experienced that, then you can't really talk about the gospel without celebrating the gospel. And that's also what Paul does throughout this entire book. He's celebrating the gospel um, and the good news of God's love for those who will receive it. And so last week, we looked at the beginning of the introduction of the book. We just looked at the greeting that Paul um, made to the the church in Rome. and, And we saw that even the greeting itself, just saying, dear People in Rome. He couldn't help but uh, get sidetracked with how incredible the gospel is. And uh, we're going to continue looking at the introduction still to the book, and he turns from the greeting to basically um, his connection with the people. Even though he hasn't been there yet, he hasn't even met these people in person, he has a connection with them that he can't ignore. And again, that is completely shaped by the gospel. And so we're going to look at Romans 1, verses 8 to 15. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to follow along in there. If you don't have a Bible, it's printed in your order of worship. Listen to God's word. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit and the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. This is the word of God, let's pray together. Father, as we look at these words that were written so many years ago, we pray that your spirit would open our eyes and help us to see what you are saying here right now. We pray that as we look at your word that you would be our vision. And that we would see more of Jesus and what that means for us as we live. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so um, this past week, Nano, our son, has really been getting into this, this thing he received. Um, I don't know if it was Christmas or his birthday, but it's like a, it's like a kit where you build a bunch of circuits. And if you, if you, you know, make all of the connections correctly... Um, then, uh, then you'll either get a really cool sound out of the out of the speaker, or the, there will be a little light show, or a propeller will like spin and take off and fly everywhere. So I asked them to give you know give it to me so I could demonstrate it for you. Like so, as long as all the connections are made, you know when you when you switch this on switch, maybe I'll hold it this way. Um, it, you know, something really cool is going to happen. Okay, so you guys ready? I'm going to switch the switch. This is going to be this is going to be so awesome. You ready? And. Oh, shoot. (laughs) Uh, Let me try it again. Wait, let me try it one more time. Uh, That's a bummer, right? Um, (laughs) Apparently, all the connections are not intact in that thing, and that's why nothing is happening. I'm sure you guys are all really disappointed. If you want to see what happens, check with me, or even better, check with Nano after the service, and he will search every possible connection and make sure everything is in place so that you will hear the sound. Now, having said that, I know pretty darn well that none of you guys are going to care enough to ask him to do it for you. I guarantee no one's going to. Well, now that I've said that, you might. (laughs) But if I hadn't said that, nobody's going to come to me afterwards and be like, what actually does happen? Come on, do it for me. No, nobody, and, and you shouldn't care, honestly. You shouldn't care. It's like a kid's toy, really. It's just going to be a little tiny little sound, right? Um, it, we, we shouldn't really care about the connection that that makes um, because it's, it's really, what's the point? Um, but as human beings, we are made to be connected to one another. We are made to be connected to one another. We were made to be regularly moving towards one another, caring about one another, doing life closely together we were made to be connected to one another Um, the problem i think is that many of us are really content to live life disconnected from each other you know just as you're you're going to walk out of here content not to find out what happens with thing with this thing we are content it's it's more trouble than it's worth to really invest to really give the energy and the effort to connect with each other to invest our time. I mean, this is the thing. Connecting with each other is hard. It's hard work. It's messy. It's complicated, right? And so we don't. We're, we live much of our lives just content to be disconnected. Um, one of the things I think that we see in this passage is Paul writes to the, the church in Rome that even though he has not met them yet, he's never been to Rome. He has this deep connection with them already, doesn't he? And I think that is the result of the gospel. That is the result of what God has done in his life. The result of the gospel is that it propels him towards these people. He, as, as, you, as you listen to this, did you hear how strongly he felt about the people in Rome? About this relationship that he has with them, even though he's never even seen them, never even met them in person? And so if, if we've experienced the gospel, if we've experienced the explosion of love that God gives us through Jesus Christ, then it moves us toward other people who have experienced the same thing, especially. It moves us towards other Christians to connect with them in all, all sorts of ways. And I see in this, this short passage just three ways that the gospel moves us toward others, and especially others in God's family, other people who have received the gospel and believe it. Um, One way that it moves us toward others is, is it moves us towards thankfulness for each other. It moves us towards thankfulness. That's the very first thing that Paul says, right? After he greets the Roman church, he says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. He thanks God for all of them. He is thankful for every single one of the people in the Roman church. And just to remind you, Paul hasn't many of those people yet. He doesn't know exactly how all those people, you know, what those people are like. And, and I guarantee you that there's people in the Roman church who Paul would not necessarily gravitate towards. He wouldn't necessarily get along with all of them, even like want to spend time with them if he just met them in the, in the marketplace or whatever. You know, there'd be people in, in the Roman church that would, for sure, Paul would disagree with that would maybe rub him the wrong way, and yet he is thankful for every single one of them. Why? Why is he thankful for them? And he says it in verse eight, he says, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. He's thankful for the fact that they have experienced the gospel, that they've received the work of Jesus, that they've trusted in Jesus, and that that trust, that faith, is known known enough throughout the world that Paul has heard about it. Paul has heard about their faith, and that is what he is thankful for. Now, I would argue that, you know, what does it mean to be thankful for something? We are thankful for things that we benefit from, aren't we? Are we ever really thankful for something that we don't benefit from in some way? We're generally thankful for things that we benefit from, that we get joy from that bring us happiness, that, that make us glad, that's, that, those are the things that we thank God for or we're just thankful for. We're thankful for things we benefit from. And so how does Paul benefit from hearing of the faith of the people that he's never met? How does he, how does he benefit from the fact that people in some far off place have believed the gospel? I would argue that, that maybe one way that he benefits is the fact that when you know, Paul has believed in Jesus. Jesus has appeared to him. He, he has given his life to Jesus and trusted in Jesus and Paul gets his value, his significance, his joy, his peace from Jesus, okay? But when he hears about other people experiencing the same thing and meeting Jesus in a similar way that he has met Jesus, it brings him joy because it, it reminds him that, that maybe he's not crazy. <laughs> It reminds him of the reality of what he, himself, has experienced. Does that make sense? I mean, maybe I'm I'm kind of scared to ask this this question to to try to illustrate this, but when I was a kid, there's all sorts of different TV shows that I used to love to watch, and one of those shows that I really loved was this show called Chips. Did anybody in here watch Chips? Did anybody really like Chips? Thank you! That's awesome! That makes me happy. I'm thankful for those of you in here that like Chips. Because that reminds me that I'm not crazy. That reminds me that I'm not alone in my experience, right? And in a similar way, I think Paul has experienced something that has transformed his life. Something that is more important, more valuable, greater than anything else. And then when he hears about other people, whether it's in Rome or anywhere else, who are experiencing that same thing, it it makes him say, yes, I'm not alone, this is actually real. Jesus is real. Jesus is as great as I thought he was. That he's transforming the lives of people I've never even met, you know, so, so far away on the other side of the Mediterranean Sea. And that's one of the things I think the gospel does for us and how it moves us towards one another. When we're able to see the work of God, God's love in others, it reminds us of the reality of the work of God for us. It reminds us of the reality of the love of God for us. And this is why the gospel pushes us towards thankfulness towards one another, especially like in the church. You know, there, there's people here who, who are very different from one another. There are people in this room who wouldn't necessarily pick the other person to, to really spend an evening together, kind of hanging out necessarily. But this is the one thing we have in common, that we have seen Jesus and that he makes all the difference. All the difference. And so that should move you to be thankful for every other person in this room. No matter how different they are from you, no matter how much you might disagree on something, you have seen Jesus and experienced his love for you. And that should move you to thank God for them because and that's why I think it's so crucial for us to come together, you know? Like that's one of the reasons this is so significant, what we're doing right now, as we sing together, as we sit together and pray together, as we read the Bible together, it helps us to know, it helps me to know. I'm not crazy. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. It helps me to know that Jesus is real. So the gospel moves us toward thankfulness for each other. It also moves us towards prayer for each other, right? That's the next thing he says in verse 9. He says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers. Paul has been praying for the people in Rome, and it seems like he's been praying for them a lot, right? Without ceasing in all of his prayers. Of course, I think he's probably using hyperbole here, but, but the, the point is that he's thinking about them a lot. He's praying for them a lot. When you pray for somebody, what are you, somebody, what are you doing? You're, you're asking God to help them because you want what is best for them. You want, them to, you, you want God to help them, right? They're in your thoughts, and you want what is best for them. And so it moves us to pray. The people of Rome uh, are in Paul's thoughts, in his heart. He's been thinking about them. He's, he's been concerned for them. He's been seeking God on their behalf. And the thing is, because, you know, the fact that Paul is praying for them so regularly reveals the fact that Paul's heart is tied up with the people in the church in Rome. It, it's, it's like inextricably intertwined with them, even though he's never met them. And that is another thing that the gospel does to us. Because something happens when, when you believe in Jesus and you come to know him and you have a relationship with him. Something supernatural happens where you are connected to him. The, the, the New Testament often, the writers in the New Testament often t- talk about this as being in Christ or with Christ or Christ in us. You know, we, we are united to Jesus in a way that is supernatural. And so, that means that everyone who is connected to Jesus, who is united to Jesus, is now connected to one another. Have you ever heard of um, stories about identical twins who share a lot of the same DNA, right? And uh, I've often heard twins say, you know, I, they, they finish each other's sentences. They finish each other's thoughts. Sometimes, they're, even though they're miles and miles away, sometimes they'll feel each other's feelings. Have you ever heard stories like that? Um, when... When a person becomes a Christian, when two people become Christians, they are transformed at the core of who they are in such a supernatural way that that we share the same spiritual DNA. And so our lives become intertwined with one another to an extent that this person's pain becomes my pain. This person's joy becomes my joy. This person's problems become my problems. I want what is best for them. And so it's the most natural thing in the world to be praying for them, to be thinking about them, to be concerned about them. You know, Paul talks in other places about how the the church, the group of Christians of God's family, uh, he he uses the body to illustrate the church of God, right? And just like, you know, we are concerned with every part of our body. What, What is good for my pinky toe is good for me. If things go badly for my pinky toe, the rest of me is not gonna be happy either, right? In the same way, when we are connected to Jesus, it automatically connects me to others who who are connected to Jesus. And so it moves me toward them to want what is best for them, to be concerned about them, how they're hurting, how they're struggling. Just want to celebrate with them when things are going great, when they have some tremendous victory. moves us towards each each other in in concern, in prayer. When we look into each other's eyes, as well as all sorts of things we might have in common or differences we might have, when we look into each other's eyes, we see Jesus. And it moves us, it should move us us toward each other. Um, Lastly, the gospel moves us towards being present with one another. And verses 10 to 15 are largely about Paul's desire to be with the church in Rome, right? he longs to be present with them he intends to come he's been intending to come be with them but he's been prevented from doing so right he's been praying to come to them and why does he want to be with them so badly well he wants to be with them because he wants to give them something that only he can only give them when he's present he wants to give them Something he he says in verse eleven. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Most likely, what he's referring to when he's talking about a spiritual gift, he's talking about sharing the gospel with them. Again, at the end, at the very end of the passage, the last verse, it says, "I'm eager to preach the gospel to you." He wants to share the gospel with them. As I said last week, you know, these people have already heard the gospel because they've they've listened to the news of who Jesus is. And they've responded, and that's why there's a church there, right? And yet Paul writes to them, and what does he want to write to them? Well, he, he wants to write to them about the gospel. Over and over again, chapter after chapter, he wants to write to them about the gospel. Last week I talked about how he was singing the gospel song over and over and over and over again. And 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 one of the things he says in that letter, he's like, and you know, I'm not satisfied with just writing to you about the gospel. I want to be with you. I want to be with you so that we can talk about the gospel some more so that we can sing the gospel song together. I want to I give you more of the gospel. And, and Paul recognizes he doesn't want to just give more of the gospel. He wants to get more of the gospel from them. He recognizes that he, he could, they're going to be mutually encouraged in verse 12. That we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Paul recognizes that as we have received the news, the, the life-transforming, life-giving news of who Jesus is, that he came and lived and died and rose from the dead to proclaim the certainty of the love of God for us. As we receive that, it moves us to want to be with each other so that we can enjoy that together. I mean, at the heart of the gospel message is what? God sent his son into a world so that we could experience his presence. That is at the heart of the gospel. The opportunity to experience the presence of God himself. And so as we experience that, the very presence of God, it moves us to want to share that presence with one another. I mean, as we spend time together, that's actually a, a tangible, very practical way that we experience the very presence of God. As we experience Jesus living in one another, being with one another there's nothing greater to celebrate, nothing greater, greater to remind one another of. And so why wouldn't we wanna to be together? Why wouldn't we wanna to be together to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, by, to be mutually encouraged by each of us pointing to the beauty and the grace of Jesus? Our experience of the gospel should draw us to want to be with others who've experienced. Uh, on Sunday mornings, you know, that, that's why this, like we should long to be here, not because we feel like we should be here, but because I just want to be with others. Again, who can remind me of the reality of Jesus and who can encourage me by reminding me of his presence and his grace. Um, that's why it should be like something that we, we, we long to just be spending time with each other in small groups or just having coffee together or going to other, each other's like major family life events or even just hanging out after a worship service and eating whatever snacks are out there, drinking the coffee, finding out about what's going on in each other's lives and reminding each other for the fact that Jesus cares instead of walking out and rushing out to our car as quick as we can. Our experience of the gospel should draw us to want to be with each other. And the, and the, the beauty is, nowadays with technology, we, I mean, nothing really replaces being physically present with one another, but we can also remind each other of our presence as we, as we text each other, as we call each other. You know, in all sorts of different ways. That we're constantly thinking about how can we move toward one another and love with with the encouragement of the gospel of Jesus, the presence of the person of Jesus, the living one. If we would only see the fountain of power and light and color and joy that we can get by moving toward each other with the gospel, if we could only see it more clearly, it would move us to make it more of a priority, I think. I'm discouraged, though, with myself. I'm discouraged with myself and I'm discouraged with a lot of us because I don't think we do make it a priority as I started off saying, right? We care about as much about making connections with one another and being present with one another as we care about whether that sound happens on that circuit board. Sadly, it's just too many other things get in the way. Too many other things are a priority. Again, it's hard. Um... Forgive me for using a Christmas movie illustration, but uh, the movie Christmas Vacation, if you've ever seen it, is about Clark Griswold, right? Played by Chevy Chase, who's trying, his, his ultimate like goal in life is to create the perfect family Christmas for his family. And one of the things he does is to decorate his house with apparently like 25,000 lights that he ordered from Italy or something like that. 25,000 lights. He spends several days up on his roof, almost falling off his roof. I think he maybe does fall off his roof at one point, stapling strand after strand of lights like this entire roof is co- covered. The whole side of his house, the front of his house is covered with lights, right? The front, the front yard is covered in lights. There's just lights, lights everywhere and more lights everywhere. And he finally finishes. And then he calls his whole family out on the front lawn for this big grand reveal when he's going to finally plug it in and make the final connection and everybody's going to be blown away, and it's going to be like that much more the perfect family Christmas. So he gets everybody out there. Everybody's like reluctant. Nobody wants to be out there, you know. His wife comes out because she wants to support him. His kids, his parents, his in-laws are really cranky about coming out there on the front lawn, and uh, and it's cold, it's snowy, and so he stands out there. He's got his, you know, the extension cord and the and where he's going to plug it into. And he stands and he's like, all right, drum roll, please, drum roll. And he gets everybody to start making a drum roll. You know, like, everybody's making a drum roll sound. And then he sings joy to the world as he gets ready to, to plug it in. And then he goes, boom, and nothing happens. Just darkness. And, every, and he's like, what? He like, plugs it in again. And he plugs it in again. He's like, I checked every single bulb. I checked every single one and what could, what could be the problem? And everybody's like, everybody's really quick to be like, oh, that's okay. We're going back inside. You know, nobody really cares all that much, except his wife stays out there dutifully trying to support him because she loves him. And he's like, and he starts like trying to figure out what's the problem. He's got, he's like desperate to figure out where is it not connecting? You no, he's desperate and he's looking and he's looking and he's trying and he's trying. And then finally his, his wife just goes in the garage to kind of look at the, there's like all these extension, like probably 20 extension cords plugged in in the garage. And she flips on the light switch in the garage. And that's what makes the connection. And everything goes on. And it's so incredibly bright that the neighbors are like in their living room next door and it's like they're blinded by it. And they're stumbling around and falling around their living room. There is so much brightness because of the, the final connection being made and, and it's like so satisfying for him. But this is the thing. The point I'm trying to make is that Clark would not give up trying to figure out where the missing connection was. He would not give up till he experienced the glory of the lights and that's because he had a real vision for what it was going to happen when he made that connection. He really, he saw in his mind how bright it was gonna be, how glorious it was gonna be. And I think that's what we need to to gain is a vision of how much power and how much glory and how much beauty there is when we do actually make connection with one another. When we actually thank God for each other and pray for each other and move towards one another to be with one another more and more to encourage one another with the reality of Jesus, the reality of the gospel. With gospel ears to hear each other, with gospel compassion to care for one another, with gospel joy to spread to each other, and with gospel life. Let's pray together. Father, we we do thank you for your word, um, this reminder of what awaits us if we will just turn our hearts toward one another, investing in one another, opening our hearts to one another, and with that, especially opening our hearts that have been touched by Jesus to one another. We, We pray, Father, that you would help us as a church, as a people, to move toward one another, make us more grateful, make us more ready to see how the wellness of those around us absolutely impacts our own. Help us to see the reality of the gospel and the power of your love for us and presence with us in and with one another. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We now have an opportunity to meet Jesus at the Lord's table, but as we do that, we're not just meeting him. The table is a a picture of of a a meal, right? And so even though we're all sitting in rows, I want you hopefully to kind of imagine in your mind's eye that we are all...